I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean from all your uncleannesses, and from all your idols I will cleanse you. And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. So far, text. Please be seated. Grace and peace, love and mercy from God our Father, through Jesus Christ, our risen Savior and Lord. Amen. How do you take a bad person and turn them into a good person? It's a fair question, right? How do you take an evil person and turn them into a holy person? This question or questions like these are as old as time itself. And the ancient philosophers would talk about it and wax eloquent with regard to these questions. And here's what they came up with. If a bad person wants to be a good person, they need to start doing good deeds. They need to start doing good things. And slowly and gradually, by doing good, they will become good. If you have somebody who's downright evil, if you can get them to start doing virtuous things, holy things, positive things, in time they will be transformed from the outside in. This is what the world says is the answer to this question. This is what our reason or our emotions say is the answer to this question. God's Word, especially our text from Ezekiel 36 tonight, says something completely different. You see, there's a problem. We can't change from the outside in, because all of us are born, all of us by nature have evil hearts. That's what we have inherited from our parents and they through their parents all the way back to our first parents, Adam and Eve. No matter how hard we try to change our behavior, change our attitude, or change on the outside, nothing we do, no action we can attempt or complete can change that evil or wicked heart that lives inside of us. God's Word tells us that God is about to do a mighty act. God is going to act with regard to the house of Israel. You know, we could look at the failed attempts of bad people trying to be good people by doing good deeds, by looking at history, but we can look at our 
history, our holy history, the history recorded for us in Scripture, and we see exactly the same thing. What happens with regard to the people of God? They rebel against God. They have false idols. God sends punishment. The people, at least on the outside, repent. There's peace for a time. And then the people go right back to their idolatry and their rebellion. No change. No real change. No lasting change happened. God says that we need hearts that fear, love, and trust in Him. The one true God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That fear, love, and trust in Him above all things. And no matter how hard we try, we can't do it. Throughout the pages of the Old Testament, this cycle repeats itself over and over and over again. The ultimate punishment that God gave to the children of Israel when he allowed their most bitter enemies to conquer them and carry them off into captivity. That's where we are right here in the book of Ezekiel. The children of Israel have been carried off to captivity they, they sit by the river and cry, longing for home. They've been cut off from their land. They've been cut off from their people. They've been cut off from their worship. They've been cut off from everything as punishment to God. And God, in His love and mercy, as He has throughout the entire Old Testament Scriptures, God raises up prophets, and here, specifically the prophet Ezekiel, to call the people back. To call the people to repentance. Return to the Lord your God, for He is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. We sing those words from the prophet Joel during our Lenten season. So here, Ezekiel is preaching to a rebellious people. He's preaching to an idolatrous people. And he says, I, the Lord your God, am going to act. I'm not going to act for your sake, although you will be the beneficiaries of it. I'm going to act because this is who I am. This is my very nature, the very nature of God, to love, to save, to rescue. You know, several years ago, I had the uh, difficult opportunity to work with a situation where a school teacher had been accused and found guilty of abusing students. It was tragic. It was horrific. And when it came time for the final punishment to be 
handed out, the school officials wanted to be very lenient, not even revoke this individual's license. I was completely torn up. I knew what should be done, but I didn't know exactly how to communicate that. I visited with a wise old pastor. And this wise old pastor said, Clint, there's two things I'm going to tell you about that teacher. I said, okay. He's done it before and he'll do it again. I said, how can you be sure? And he said, because he likes it. Because he likes it. My friends, that's our hearts. Why do we sin? Because we like it. Why do we keep going back to the sins we know are wrong? Because we like it. Why can we stay away for a while and then go right back into the gutter, worshiping our false god of me, myself, and I, breaking any and every commandment? Because we like it. My friends, you can't just do a few good things and then pretend it's okay. Because your heart is what needs to be changed. Your heart is what likes doing the evil and the sin. We can't change ourselves from the outside in. It's impossible. But there is hope. And that hope comes from God, who changes us from the inside out. That's right. That's what God does. He changes hearts. He changes us from the inside out. Listen, verse 25 of Ezekiel 36. I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean from all your uncleannesses. And from all your idols, I will cleanse you. God here teaches us that he is the one that does the forgiving. He is the one that does the cleansing. He is the one that changes us from the inside out. Hundreds of years before Jesus instituted God's gift of holy baptism, Ezekiel is teaching us what happens there. Water is sprinkled over us. Doesn't look like much, does it? Might not even wash off the dirt of your forehead. But it is a life-giving, life-changing water. Why? Because God says so. God has attached His Word to that water. God has attached His powerful, creating Word to simple H2O. In the beginning, God spoke the word. And things that were not came into existence. When Jesus stood over the dead body of Lazarus, he said, Lazarus, come forth. 
And the word of God caused the corpse to gain life again. It's the same God who says, this is my body, this is my blood over simple bread and wine. The same God who attaches promises to a pastor's words. And when he says, your sins are forgiven, they are. And God, in his might and power, has attached the life-giving, life-changing, powerful word to the waters of holy baptism. What makes baptism so special, so powerful? It's not the pastor. It's not the water. It's not the fancy beauty of the baptismal font. It's not where the water came from, like the Jordan River or from the Lincoln City Tap. No. When we are baptized, we are baptized into the death and resurrection of Jesus. Don't you know, Romans 6, that all of you who have been baptized have been baptized into Christ's death? If you were buried into a death like his, you are also buried into a resurrection like his. God's word tells us it is the washing of regeneration and renewal. God replaces our cold, dead, stony, evil heart with a new heart. A heart that's alive. A heart that beats for God. Faith toward God. And love toward one another. That should be the end of it, right? God justifies us, declares us righteous on account of the person and work of Jesus, and he delivers that justification to us in the waters of holy baptism. We have new life. The Spirit dwells inside of us. But there's something else that dwells inside of us. Oh, we've been given a new heart. Christ, by the power of the Holy Spirit, lives and dwells in his Christians. But the old Adam, or the old Eve, the sinful nature, still lives. And that sinful nature is strong. We fool ourselves when we think that we can control or regulate or train or make buddies with the old Adam that lives inside of us. We can't. The old Adam is evil. The old Adam is bent on destruction. Your destruction. But the powerful gospel message the waters of holy baptism, God's gift of himself in the Lord's Supper, the declarative forgiveness in the holy absolution, the preaching and teaching of the gospel. Do to the old Adam what needs to be done. The old Adam must die. Not once, not once in a while, 
but every day. What does such baptizing with water signify? It signifies that the old Adam in us should, by daily contrition and repentance, drown and die and rise forth a new creation. You see, God changes our hearts so that when we hear his word, we like it. And we want to do it. And we want to follow it. Not, not to climb some ladder to heaven. Not to earn our salvation. That's already been done by Jesus. But God gives us a new heart. And in that new heart, he changes us. Justification happens just like that, all at once. Sanctification, God's holying of us, is a process. It's a lifelong process. That's why we need to be in God's house. That's why we need to hear the Word of God. That's why we need to feast on Christ's body and blood. Because there, God strengthens us. He strengthens our faith. He changes our likes from liking evil to liking good. Not only does He call, gather, and enlighten us in the one true faith, but he keeps us in that faith. He sustains us in that faith. And he does that through the forgiveness of sins. My friends, no matter how hard we try, we can't live the holy life or the perfect life that God demands of us. And so we fall on our knees. In contrition, that means being sorry. And repentance, that's being sorry with faith. We cling to the words of God that our sin is truly forgiven. We cling to the promise of God that the Holy Spirit, through word and sacrament, is continually at work in us, loving us, changing us, forgiving us. Ezekiel says, I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and to be careful to obey my just decrees. You shall dwell in the land that I gave to your fathers and you shall be my people and I shall be your God. My friends, that, that last promise is oftentimes referred to as the covenant. God says, I'll be God you be the people. Pretty simple, right? And what do we do? We mess it up. We mess it up. 
We, we crowd out the one true God with, with gods of our own making. Our money, our work, our play, doesn't matter. We're really good at creating false gods. God says, I'll be the God and you be the people. And too often, we don't want to be his people. We'll wander here and there. Pretend that we're happy and content. And then when the realities of life and our own sin bite us and bite us hard, we don't know where to go. We don't know what to do. God says, Thus says the Lord your God, O house of Israel, I am about to act for the sake of my holy name. The good news for Christians who are prone to wander, the good news for Christians who are, are prone to get sanctification and justification backwards, a hellacious combination thinking that we can somehow become good by doing good. No. God has declared you on the count of the perfect life, the bloody death, and the glorious resurrection and ascension of Jesus. He has declared you righteous. He has declared you forgiven. He has given you a new heart. And now, by the power of the Holy Spirit that lives in you, You like to hear his word. You like to be with your brothers and sisters in Christ. You like to hear the law of God. You even like to follow it. And you like, most of all, to feast on the foretaste of the feast to come in heaven. Christ's body and blood for you. My friends, God's prayer has been answered for you. He has created in you a new heart. And now, now by his steadfast love, we get used to that heart. We love it. And we hear his word. My friends, may this Easter season, which technically and officially ends tonight, may it last for you through all eternity. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which far surpasses all understanding, keep our hearts, our minds, our likes in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. We stand and sing our offertory. <laughs>